All right, all right, all right. Welcome to episode 24 of Rolling with the Barons. I am your host, head coach of the Brooklyn Barons, Roland Woods. All right. The Brooklyn Barons are a franchise with the Relocation Football League. You can find out more about the league at www.relocationfootballleague.com. All right. Uh, there you can get linked to uh, all the news, uh, all the updates, all the rosters, everything you want to know about all 32 teams in the league. Uh, it will also link you to the different socials for the league, and it will also link you to our YouTube where you can follow our live games. All right. Uh, and if you want to follow your Barons on social media, you can find us on IG and on Twitter at Barons RFL. All right. Now, uh, on this episode, we will be recapping our recent win against the Sacramento Condors. All right. The final score of that game was 27 to three. Uh, it was a really, really, really big win for us, man. Uh, we needed it. Uh, it could, it could have been seen as a trap game, man. Uh, it was a game that we really, really needed. Uh, hopefully, it helps springboard us forward and we can keep this momentum rolling, man. Because these last three games are key, man. These last three games are key. This whole stretch is key, man. And this was the first step. This was the first step. So it was great for us to come out here and uh and get this win, man. It was great for us to come out here and get this win. Uh, usually, man, I will start the podcast with questions from the Discord, but maybe it's just because I was a little late on getting the questions out there, man. Uh, we don't have any questions this week, man. We don't have any questions this week. So, uh, we're going to do things a little differently, man, and we're going to start this off with our offensive review, and I'm actually going to call into Nikki Flames, and I'm going to ask him some questions. All right, so hold on one second, all right? How you feeling, my man? I'm doing pretty good. Our team did what they needed to do versus the Condors that last week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I know. Dominated that game. I know we're getting to this kind of late. Uh, we kind of know dived into other things. But definitely a great win. Definitely uh, a great win, a great showing on both sides of the ball, man. On both sides of the ball. Yeah. So yeah, with this being the first time uh running this offense, running your offense, and having Kenny still in the backfield. What it how, how does it feel? What were your thoughts? Well, uh on the podcast that I did uh, with the Elks, I said I thought he'd drop at least a hundred yards. And he went out there and all purpose yards, that is. And he went out there and dropped over 200 all-purpose yards. So he did twice as well as I had uh, said was the minimum. So he really dominated out there. Now, that's partially because the Condors aren't the best on defense, but it's also because Kenny Steele is a beast. And uh, you could see the difference between when we had Mike Troy and Meredith in. Nothing against them. They're pretty solid backs, but they're clearly backup level. And uh, how Mike Troy got 120. So I knew when Steele came in here that he had the potential to get like 200 yards. I knew he had that potential in his back pocket. And he looked good when he caught the ball. He looked really good when no matter what type of run we ran. Because 
a lot of the times he he was always picking the right holes for one and he would he almost never went down on first contact he was elusive he shook a lot of guys with his juke moves and that allowed him to get a lot of extra yards and our whole offense ran through him and uh, that allowed us to drain the clock and get successful drives on a consistent basis which is a big reason that game ended 3 to 28 or 27 I mean Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There's a reason why we call him the man of steel, man. There's a reason why he's Superman. He's he's very, very key in this offense, man. And I definitely saw a big difference as well from just from the way Troy ran, just from the way Meredith ran. And seeing them in relief, I feel like they're very, very great compliments to him. But I just feel like there's no one like him. Yeah, just the steel isn't really replaceable. He's he's our he's our uh, Christian McCaffrey of our offense. He Definitely. catches, he runs, runs with power, runs with elusiveness, runs good routes, catches it, gets great rack. I mean, that's a player in your offense that when he goes down, you have to completely change what you're doing. Definitely, and I think his most underrated quality is that he is a tremendous. Pass blocker. I might say he's the best pass blocking back in the league. I'm going to put that out there. I'm going to say he's the best pass blocking back in the league. I mean, I haven't seen him fail on a pass block in my whole time on our team coaching. So I feel like that's a fair assessment. Like, I mean, I'm not paying too much attention to his pass blocking, to be honest. But I've never once have I ever watched a game and been like, man, when Kenny Steele was in and been like, man, our running back didn't make that block we needed. No, every time I, I've, I've never been able to say that our running back didn't make the block they needed when Kenny Steele was in the game. It's it's such an underrated quality, man, but it's a great one, man. It's a great one. It's something that I really, really love about a man that a lot of people don't think about, man. A it's underrated because it means when we go to play action and other things, a lot of the times the running backs will be slow to get to the pass rusher. And uh, by the time the quarterback's turned around, there's already some dude hitting the snot out of him. But with Steele, you've got to worry about that. If there's a free rusher, he's going to pick him up, and it's going to give the quarterback the time he needs to throw the ball. And if he isn't pass blocking, he's going out to the flat, or he's running a uh, angle route, or a, uh, you're like a little dra- inside drag, or he's he's that always block and release is key. Blocking release. That's why the screen is so successful when we use Kenny, because his blocking release is really, really good. Yeah, really Kenny's still a beast on those screens. That's another thing I was thinking about. But yeah, you never know if he's going to just pass block or he's going to go out there and run a route and get wide open and get 10, 20 yards just catching it and running. Right. You could tell the difference in our offense. This Carolina offense doesn't need Kenny, but for it to be a top offense, it needs Kenny. Like, it can function as an offense solidly without Kenny, but but it can't be like a top offense if Kenny isn't in the game because Kenny is the real engine of this offense and this playbook. He runs things. Even though Brinker did have a solid game, he did make the right reads. He didn't make any real mistakes. Like, that's, that's what I liked about Brinker's game. He didn't make any mistakes. He made all the throws he needed to make. So Brinker had a good game in my mind. He did what he needed to do. And that was my next question was going to be your thoughts on Brinker. So that's great. That's great. You flow right into it. My next question was your thoughts on Brinker. 
expanding on that, where do you feel like he was most successful in the passing game? Well, early in the game when we struggled to move the ball, kind of annoyed at first because he wasn't throwing the ball, but I realized just some of our routes just weren't open. So he just made smart choices and he threw the ball away. On Even on – like on third down, I'd like to see him take a shot, but it's better he throws it away than throws a pick. But whenever it seemed he found the open receivers when they were there, he was aware of where we were in the game, and he made the throws he needed. Like, if there was a dude open downfield, he'd throw it downfield. If they weren't open downfield, he'd just throw the check down. If the check down wasn't there and the deep and the intermediate routes weren't there, he'd throw it away and lift to die another down, knowing our defense could go out there and stop him. Like, Brinker has that uh, privilege because he knows with your defense out there that – Likely he's going to get another drive. So he he had that in the back of his mind, and he made sure to play safe, which I don't always love, but against the Condors, when our defense is rolling like it was, I don't mind seeing it. And plus, when there was dudes open downfield, he hit them. You know, it's just kind of timely passing, you know. Like when we need a big play, he would make it sometimes. Like after that interception your defense made, that tight end was wide open, and he hit that perfect. Like, like it's a wide open receiver. You need to hit that, but still, like that's an important throw, and he hit it, and it got us a touchdown. And there were some other third down throws that he made that moved the chains. He had one curl route that he threw that moved the chains that was thrown right on time, perfect placement. He just made all the throws he needed to. Even though Kenny was the engine of the offense, whenever he had to pass, he did what he needed to do, and he didn't make any mistakes. He just played a mistake free game. And uh, he, he didn't stifle himself either. He still found open receivers when they were there. He didn't miss open receivers. So he did whatever he could for our offense when he had opportunities to make an impact. So he just did his job really well, and that's why he won the game. No mistakes, and he still made a lot of plus plays on top of it. So that's why we ended up winning this game handily. It goes back to what I always preach, man. Make the read, make the play. That's all we need. That's all we need. Make the read, make the play. All right. Now you brought up something very key that I also want to discuss. Just flowing down the list. All right, Patrick Bang. What's the tight end who made those plays? He ended up being our leading receiver for the game. All right. Oh yeah. How do you feel we can continue to capitalize on this success that we've had with Patrick Bang? Well, Patrick Bang. I feel like in Carolina's playbook, Patrick Bang just seems to be more effective than the Ravens playbook for one. I don't know why that is though. I mean, it, it might have no correlation. There's no way for me to really tell, but just in general, it's important that we make sure to use Bain as primarily a receiver, even though he is a good blocker, you got to make sure to keep using him as a receiver. And uh, on top of that, he can attack with about any route. We got to make sure to put him in the right matchups because on a linebacker, Bain's going to get open. We saw that their linebackers couldn't hang with Bain. They had bad linebackers, and it showed. Their linebackers had no chance against Patrick Bain. Like he went, he ran that one route at the end of the first half. He was so open. I bet you someone was supposed to be covering him, but they just got blown by, and uh, just gave up on it. They were in a zone. They started falling. They couldn't keep up, so they just gave up on it. Bain, Bain's a legend in the RFL, and I mean, he's gonna get open when he's on a linebacker. If, he, if it's not a top five linebacker in the RFL, coverage-wise, covering him, he's going to get open and he's going to make plays. So we just got to make sure we put him in the right matchup. Because I don't think there's many teams that can stop Bain. And if they stop Bain, they're going to leave someone else open. Like Kenny's going to come out of the backfield and they're going to have some linebacker on him who can't cover. 
and then Kenny's going to go get 20 yards. And if somehow they end up covering both of them, I guarantee one of our wide receivers is going to be open with Amari and uh, Joe Johnson. So Bain's just important because at worst, he's going to end up drawing a lot of attention and still making some plays. That's the worst Bain can do is end up drawing double teams and leaving other people open for our offense. That's the worst Bain could do. But lately, he's been getting hundreds of yards. Not hundreds, but he's been getting like 100 yards. He's had a string of good games. Like early in the year, we weren't getting him going as much as I would like to see. But as the years progressed, Bain has gone more and more involved, and he's done better and better. And uh, I knew right away that Condor's game, we were going to have an advantage with Bain because he was getting open because their linebackers were so bad. On tape, their linebackers didn't look that great. And when you looked at it stats-wise, their defense wasn't very good. And then you actually looked at the attributes of their linebackers, and you just I just immediately knew Bain was going to eat them up. I mean, we just got to make sure we – put Bain in positions to succeed. That's all it really is, because Bain's a guy who can succeed in a lot of ways. Without saying too much, I agree with you a lot, and a lot of that will come down to what we do this week. But I'm going to talk to you about that more after this. But, man, you be reading my mind, man. You be reading my mind. You be reading my mind. That's exactly – that's why. That's why you're the guy. That's why you're the guy. All right, now, with that, my last thought. I don't know if you thought about this. This is going to be the tricky question right here. All right? Uh, How do you feel our O-line performed? I think our O-line didn't have their best game. I don't think they had their best game pass blocking. Run blocking-wise, I think our O-line did well. There's a few times they got beat run run blocking-wise. And Kenny a few times bailed him out a little bit. But, I mean, that's going to happen. There's going to be a few times in run defense, run blocking. We're not going to do well when we rush it 38 times. And I'd say about there was about 31, 32 times where we ran run blocked well. And that's why – that's part of the reason Kenny ended up with such a huge game is Kenny was on fire and the run blocking was good. So that was really good for our game. But early in the first – specifically in the first half, I think the pass blocking wasn't very good. And that's – how a lot of our drives got stalled out. Like our pass blocking wasn't all the way there. Like there'd be an important second down where we decided to throw Brink was in the pocket for like three seconds and get sacked. And then Brink was in the pocket on third down, three seconds, get sacked, worst field position. Be a first down, we threw it, he'd get sacked. We had like three or four drives that got halted by holding penalties or sacks. And that did hurt us some. And I think it did hold our offense back from dropping over 30 because early in that first half and somewhat in the second quarter and it it still happened a little bit in the third and fourth but not nearly as much once our team started pass blocking better in the third and fourth and our run game stayed consistent like it had been all game our run game was good the whole game there wasn't really any lapses in that the o-line did great run blocking but uh i feel like as the game went on our pass blocking got better and that's why you saw in the first half we uh for most of that first half we only had like six points three six points and then we had the one big play, got 13 points, got momentum. Our pass blocking got way better, and we didn't give up anything run blocking-wise. Our run blocking stayed how it had been all game, which was pretty good. So the O-line didn't have a token game for me, and they did worse than I would like to see, especially against the Condors. No offense to the Condors' defense, but they usually aren't very strong uh, pass rushing. So I, I'd like to see our O-line do a little bit better in that matchup. I feel we gave up too much pressure. And that was really the only thing 
that I could complain about on offense because everything else was so good. The line just – I don't feel like they entirely did their job. Now, I got to look into it a little more to see exactly who didn't do their job because maybe there was one specific lineman who wasn't doing his best, and that's something I got to look at. But I know as a whole, our offensive line gave up some pressure that I wasn't pretty that happy with. But as the game went on, they got better. And obviously our team had a good result. So we're just going to have to make sure to look into that and make sure our O-line doesn't do anything like that again. Like they were in that first half. I agree with everything you said, man. I agree with everything you said, except for that our, that they weren't great. Like, I feel like they did a good job. I think one thing you should also look at that a lot of people may not think about is how they attack on those screen passes. I think they did a good job of rolling off their initial block, selling the block, and getting outside to give our running back space to run. Because a lot of our screens were successful. And I think it starts with the line. That is true. Get out that is true. Our, our O-line moved well in the screen game. And uh, now that we have Steele running back for those screens, he blo- he blocks and releases well, too. So that, that was really important. Because our O-line has been agile all year. That kind of goes back to the run blocking. This Panthers book has a lot less long-developing uh, runs. Like yes. runs that... Uh, Take a second to get going. Most of the Carolina Panthers' runs are hit a hole, hit a hole. Look for for half a second, hit a hole. You just pick a hole in this run game. And our offensive linemen did a good job just being aggressive and popping onto a defender. Our guards did a good job getting into the second level at times. Like I said, there's very few times where we had bad run blocking. And when you can run block at at a pretty solid to great level on almost every play, and you have a running back like Kenny who's elusive and powerful, the other team's going to have a rough day, and that's why Kenny ended up with so many yards. Yes. Because there are a lot of times where Kenny switched from juking somebody to running them over just in the blink of an eye, and it's just just watching that man work, man, just watching that man work. So that was great. And on the O-line, I did make the mistake of thinking that Lane Printers would be back but he wasn't back. And we're starting a rookie who's a 67. But even when you go back to watch the film, I don't even think that he was the guy who was giving up the plays. So that's also something that we're going to have to look into. Yeah, that left guard, I mean, he did. I didn't see any issues with our guards. Our guards both did a good job because they didn't give up a lot of pressure inside. I feel like, I don't know which tackle it was, but I feel like our tackles were giving up most of the pressure. Like, we're on the same page, my guy. We're on the same page. And that kind of answers my, my final, final question was, how will we use this uh, this game to improve, especially with us trying to fight right now for a playoff spot? Like, we, we must win every game. And I know this week, I know we're going with the Ravens book this week. I'm still taking a lot of your input of what you said. It's just one little thing that I want to add to everything that you said that made me want to use the Ravens book, but I'm still going to use everything else that you said. Don't say that here, because I don't want them to hear it, but I'll tell you in the inbox exactly what I'm going to do, all right? Yeah. But how do you feel like we can continue to grow from the success that we just had with uh, against the Condors? Because that, when we're in the playoffs, we're going to use this book, too. Like, I don't want week to, I want teams to know now. 
playing the playoffs. We're not going to be able to pigeonhole us to one book. We're going to switch back and forth. And it's just going to be matchup based, what we feel like is best. Yeah, I mean, well, one thing we can take out of this game is if we play a team that is expecting the pass, we can always go back to that Panther run outside, that Panthers book. Because if we use the right training for that book, then we're going to run the ball and we're going to run it well with Kenny Steele and that O-line. That's something we can take away. We can file that away. So if we're playing a team that's notoriously bad at defending the run and we think they aren't going to be ready for it, we can go to that book and I think we'll have success. I mean, we, we hadn't used that exact set before, so we were going to see how it worked out. We expected it to work well and it did. It worked really well, so we can file that away as a combo that is effective for our team, for one, the combo we used versus the Condors. We can file that away as a future option. For two, I really felt like it uh, showed us what Kenny can be in the Panthers' playbook, and we can file that away. We can file away that if we want to want to really utilize Kenny against a certain team, we feel like Kenny has a dominant matchup versus them. That Panthers' book is a good book to go to. And uh, another thing that I kind of learned is the run blocking in that Panthers book has uh, shown to be good most of the time. I mean, against the Thunderbirds, it wasn't the best, but that's because it's the Thunderbirds and their D-line's insane. But the other games we've used it, it's been great every time, and we've got quick blocks, and we've done well. So, I mean, there's a lot we can take away, but this book is really good at running the ball, and it's good in the sc- with the screens, and it's pretty good at attacking short and medium, too. And uh, another interesting thing about the book is I, I see Brinker making a lot less mistakes in this Panthers book, playing a lot less aggressive with the ball, which is interesting. Not in a bad way. It's not like he's purposely not pulling the trigger on throws. It's just it feels like he's safer with the ball. Like he doesn't take as many big risks with the ball, and he makes smarter decisions, which is another interesting thing. That could just be Kenny's upgrades and to his field general being his main trade instead now. That, that That's probably part of it. But also this Panthers playbooks look like it's really focused Brinker in on managing the game well while still having that big play potential and big threat with his arm and his legs. So the Panthers book is a book we're going to have to make sure we utilize in the right scenarios because there's a lot of good uses for it. There's still some stuff we haven't tried with it yet that uh, I'm not going to disclose, but I think we can attack deep with this book. I'm not going to say how we can attack deep with this book, but I do think it can attack deep with this Panthers playbook too. But it it has shown that it can be successful run heavy or screen heavy or intermediate slash short passing game heavy. And uh, we already know those things for a fact. So we know it's a safe playbook too. We're not going to turn over the ball a lot most of the time. So, I mean, there's a lot of good things about this book. And I think there's a lot we can take away from it. We can also take away that uh, after we use this book, we can make teams expect one thing, and then we can hit them with our other playbook, and they'll probably expect another. So, I mean, I'm trying not to give too much away. So if it sounds kind of broad, that's why. You know, I never really thought about if the book was the reason why Brinker wasn't taking shots. I just always thought it was because he was Phil General Brinker. But he might really not be taking shots because, quote, unquote, he would be Teddy Bridgewater right now. So that might be why he's not – that might be why he's just managing the game. 
Yeah, I think I never thought about that. I think the Panthers' playbook's better for uh, cutting down on mistakes. It might not be quite as explosive down the field sometimes. That it could also be our game plans. I think we you can game plan the Panthers' book to be really aggressive if we really put in the the a certain scheme and a certain uh, play. Not play, but what is it called? Training. Like I think it can attack downfield and be aggressive. But I think where its strengths lie is it, it can it cuts down on those mistakes. And with our defense, the way our defense is, if we're playing a team that doesn't have an incredible defense or an offense that's absolutely insane, it's a really good book because it makes sure we utilize our strengths of our good defense. And it almost always runs clock because we can get some nice consistent drives with a lot of plays. On top of that, we don't have as many turnovers. Even though I feel like turnovers cost us the game against the Thunderbirds, that fumble probably would happen in about any playbook. And that interception, the cornerback just mossed a dude. So we've made the defenses we've played lately have to work for these turnovers and really like, make plays. Like we're not giving them free turnovers like that Chicago Tigers game where we just gave them the ball away basically. Throw us yeah. their team. Like they have to do something pretty spectacular to get the ball from us when we run this playbook. So I, I feel like it's a good playbook and it does certain things really well. But the Ravens playbook is a nice contrast to it. So I think we got two books that are both similar but also very different in some ways. And that's important. Yes. And that's exactly why you're the guy. This is exactly why you beat everybody in the interview. That you was talking about before, this is exactly why. This is exactly why you went from football operations to offensive assistant, and we're trying to get you the offensive coordinator. We wanted to get it to the point to where I'd be like, you know what, you got it, Nick, and I just worry about the defense. And we're working our way there, man. We are working our way there. Now I, I think we'll get there. I think we'll get there. I think. Uh, I think after this off season, I might be there. I just got to make sure I know everything about the league. Get caught up on that, and I think I'll be about up to speed because I feel like my play, the new playbook we've been implementing, the Panthers playbook, I've really started to get that down. I think I've about pinned that down perfect. We're just going to need some small adjustments here and there. And in the preseason next year, maybe maybe even in the regular season this year, we might try some new things with it. Definitely. But the Ravens playbook, that's another thing. You can help me learn that one completely, but uh, I'm going to do some study on that one. I've been trying to catch up with my knowledge on that one because that's a good playbook too. And I want to make sure I know how to utilize that playbook too because I feel like they're it's kind of a yin and yang because we need both these playbooks and our offense needs to stay uh, – what is it called? It needs. It can't be the same each week. we got to make sure we keep teams guessing when we do yeah our playbooks because we don't want a team to be like all right well we know we can expect x and y no we want teams to be like are we going to get x and y are we going to get c and w this week like what are we going to get you know we want we want to make sure teams don't know how to game plan we want we want to make it uh, very hard for teams to game plan against us and i think after this offseason i'm going to have it down i'm going to have both these playbooks 100 percent down and i'm going to know a lot about the league i feel like the panthers playbook i'm like 97 percent there and i feel like ravens i'm like 50 percent there so I got to learn more about the Ravens playbook for sure. But I'm getting there all the way. I really love my, our playbooks that we got too because I've seen this Ravens playbook and I've seen what it's capable of if it works. That Thunderbirds game we had early in the year was a good example. But, I mean, there's, there's a lot of work to do with some of the schemes and some of the playbooks. But I think we've 
won most of the battle so far with it. And we're almost completely foolproof on that. Like, we, we just got to make sure we game plan on a team-to-team basis now. Because I feel like we've learned our book books, and we know what to do well. So I feel like we're about there. And I always love your input when I'm making a game plan. Because if two people, me and you, because you're a really good head coach, and it shows. Because you know a lot. You know a lot about the defense and offense, which means you have a lot of input. Because if I'm doing something on offense, you can step into the shoes of that defense and think of what you're going to do. And that's a good way to game plan sometimes. Because sometimes you don't want to just game plan, okay, they're bad at defending the run. You want to be like, what are they going to game plan against us? They know they have it. They're probably going to game plan for that. You know? Like sometimes it's like that. Or they – they know their pass defense sucks, so they're going to leave running lanes wide open. They're going to go to a scheme and playbook. They're going to go into a scheme in their playbook that focuses on covering deep. And sure enough, that some because they know we're going to want to attack deep. So there's a lot of ways you can attack with your playbooks and your uh, trainings and your input always helps because when me and you can both agree on a decision, like if we're both thinking something different, we can meet in the middle and we come up with our best option. I feel like. Like, me and you aren't perfect, even though you are a better coach than I am. We both have our strengths as game planners. And when we can combine our talent, it really helps get rid of those flaws in the game plans. Because I come up with a game plan, and you're like, nah, man, you see the defense is going to do X probably. And it's like, well, that's true. So how are we going to make sure we can can attack their weakness while also making sure we don't leave a weakness in our offense? And then we kind of work together on that. To help make the best game plan possible. So, I mean, that's that's how I feel about that. See, and that's why when you're on the podcast and you say, "Hey, like three or four years from now, I'm gonna be a coach," it's like, no. When you turn 18, you're gonna be a coach. That you're gonna be a great coach, man. You're gonna be a great coach. It's just taking that next step because you already have the knowledge. And I don't want you to come in how I came in thinking I knew it all and blase, blase. Like, you already have the knowledge. You feel me? And then you still have your book. Like, you have your book. Like, there's a book that you wanted to use even more than this book. And it's like, you still have your book that you really, really know that you can take to the next level. You feel me? Yeah. So I'm going like, to say that book now because I may as well. I don't think someone's going to want to have a come in. Not don't say it because people are already using it and it can be helpful for us later down the line. So don't oh, that's say, true. That's true. You're right. You're right. Don't Never say that at all. Anything. It's actually more helpful than you think. It's actually yeah. more helpful than you think. So don't say I, it. I will tip off that I do use it in my other week though. I use that book and I'm real familiar with it. And it really so, That is okay. But don't tell them what it is. We need oh, every advantage we can. Hey, if someone runs that book, I'll know exactly how we gonna defend. So yeah, hey, I need your help. Just how you said, you can come to me and say, "Oh, the defense do this." I'm coming to you to say the offense is gonna do this. I need your help. So yeah, yeah I can I can step in the offense's shoes and say, if I was them, I'd game plan for Y and B because yeah. I've seen I've watched our games and sometimes our defense doesn't do X Y well. But our defense, I think our defense, it took some lumps against the Desperados and Diablos. But I feel like those two games were really important for us on defense. Like, it helped get us to the point we are now. It helped our team grow. because It's really refined our game plan. Because when you get smacked down that bad on defense, those two games, you learn a lot about your team. 
And when you learn a lot about your team, your team gets a lot better. Yes. You know, a lot of people have been benched that I really like because of those games. So I understand. We've been growing a lot. Like, we have, our team has not stayed static at all. We've made more and more improvements. And that's what I think makes our team so scary. When we, and we're still not good enough. We're still not good enough. We're going to keep improving. That's what makes our team so scary because it's not like our team's static and we're keeping the same things rolling. No, nah, we're getting better every week. So when we get to the playoffs, I, I'm, I'm assuming we're going to be there because me and you make good game plans. I'm assuming we're going to be there. We're going to win our games. We're going to come up with the right things. We're not going to take our foot off the gas. We're going to make it in. That's what makes our team so scary because every week we take new things away and our team gets harder and harder to game plan against because we're, we're taking away everything that we know doesn't work and we're adding more and more stuff that are big strengths for us. And we've taken away a lot of our weaknesses, and we've learned how to get rid of a lot of our weaknesses as a team. And now we're just left with some strengths that we have that teams are going to have to figure out how to game plan against. Like, our weaknesses didn't go away, but they're harder to beat now. They're harder to get to because we know how to cover our weaknesses and attack their weaknesses. We've learned how to do that, and we've learned a lot about our playbooks, too. We've learned what we can and can't do with all of them. Like, I know you tried something new with the Ravens playbook versus the Tigers. And now that it wasn't your fault, there's a lot of dudes open. I feel like that was more on Brinker, but we didn't think might be affected by that. And we Run learned on a certain yeah. scheme in Ravens. Maybe he could now with Field General, but I feel like that's not something we want to try. That sounds like something we need to experiment with. Maybe you know that was exactly my thought. Yep. And See? with Panthers, we figured out. I'm just gonna say we, we figured out West Coast Zone Run isn't our thing. We figured that that's not going to be part of this playbook. We're not going to run that type of West Coast system with the Panthers book. Right. It's basically like if you took our current scheme that we use and you just took away all the explosive elements of it, that's basically what it is. You just took away a lot of the explosive stuff in it. A lot of plays with high upside. Like if you think the current scheme we use, like how I think it's a little bit of a game-managing one, that West Coast – Zone run is like, listen, you're expecting your defense to shut the other team out. That's what you're expecting when you run West Coast zone run. So, so West Coast zone run ain't going to be part of it. But we figured out two schemes that don't that don't work for two of our playbooks. One might might in the future now that Brinker's improved, but we know one not to run for sure anymore. Hey, they didn't work this year. We're not using them this year. Nope. Yeah, we're, that's something we maybe could try in like a preseason eventually. Figure and that it's out. still it's still one I want to try. It's still one I want to try out of both books, really. Out of both books, it's still one I want to try. Hey, but, I, there's there's something I want to try in the Panthers book if we ever play a team that. No, I'm not going to say anything about that. But whatever you're thinking is exactly what I'm thinking. Whatever you're thinking is exactly what I'm thinking. I already know what it is, and you're 100. We're going to find a way. We're the going Panthers to find a way to make that work. It's just the based Pan- on opponents. Yeah, the Panthers based on book opponents. It's so far been a game-managing book, but I think we can make it more explosive if we put the right scheme and training together. Yes. Thinking about yes. that. Matter of fact, hey, let's stop now. Let's get a Hey, thank you for tuning in to Roller with the Barons. All right, uh, we're about to get off of here and game plan. So, yeah, I'll come back and do the outro after this. We're about to game plan. All right, so I'm hanging up. I got some stuff to say. So, yeah, I can't keep holding it. All right, man. I enjoyed uh, talking on this.
good part. Definitely. Oh, I'm sorry. That's rude. Say, thank you for coming, Nikki Flames. I just got too hyped. I'm sorry. I got way too hyped. So, yeah, yeah, you can say I did the game plan with you, and I'm excited that I got to be on the podcast. <laughs> Our fans out there, they got something to look forward to these next few weeks because we got some big games coming up, and you won't want to miss them. Primetime Thursday night versus the Monarchs. That one was moved up because it's such an important game. You got to watch that showdown. I think we're going to come out. We're going to hit the Monarchs in the mouth on offense. We're going to punch them in the face on defense, and we're going to come out there with a win. And then uh, we'll be prepared for our next two games. And I think we're going to roll roll in hot on a full winning streak right into the playoffs. That's, that's my prediction. My guy. Not to miss anything. Nikki Flint. This is, you're starting a podcast. All right. I'm going to just say the intro. And then you're starting a podcast. We're going right to the call, man. My right. guy. I appreciate you calling, man. We're definitely about the link, man. We're definitely about the link. I'm about to hit you up. Sounds good, man. All right. Gonna keep rolling. All right. I'll see all our fans next time. All right. Welcome back to season two of Animal A and Eight. All right. I am your host, head coach of the Brooklyn Barons, Roland Woods. All right. And like I've been saying since I took this team over, ain't no more eight and eight. Ain't no more eight and eight. Ain't no more eight and eight. All right. We now sit with nine wins. All right. On top of the NRC North. All right. And let me tell you something good. If we win, we in. From here on out, if we win, we in. We aren't the same bearings we used to be, man. And we're only going to get better. We're only going to get better, man. We're only going to get better. All right? But now we'll do my review of the game. All right? Uh, Starting with a quick review of the offense. Uh, Welcome back, Kenny. Welcome back, Kenny, man. Welcome back, Kenny. Uh, From the first carry, man, he just... Let everyone know that this was his game. He was going to take this game over, man, and he dominated. He dominated, man. Uh, can he still put up more yards by himself than the entire Condor's offense? And I think that's a testament to to him, definitely to him, a testament to Nikki Flames, and also a testament to uh, our defense. But we'll talk about that later, man. Uh, 200 plus yards, uh, from scrimmage, man. I want to say, uh, 180 on the ground and about 50 to 60, uh, through the air, man. Uh, he was key. He was key, played a big role. Uh, Patrick Bain, another key player in this game, uh, led our team in receptions, man. Two touchdowns. It's great to see him getting in the end zone, still showing off that speed, still showing off that separation. Uh, looking good, man. Looking good. Hopefully, we can keep that momentum going uh, as we get closer to the postseason, man. Uh, our receivers were a little quiet. Our receivers were a little quiet, man. But the way Kenny was playing, we didn't really need them to do too much. Uh, when we did need them, they were there. Uh, 
Brinker did a decent job of making a read, making a play. Uh, check down when you need to check down. Throw the ball away when you need to throw the ball away. Uh, hitting the open guy when the guy was open. Big, big plays. No turnovers. Uh, not even really any bad decisions with the football. So that was great. That was great to see, man. And also, I felt like our line held up uh, pretty decently, man. I like the way Stuart Thomas has looked in the relief of Lane Printers. And I just keep thinking about how much more solid we can be once we get uh, once we get Printers back, man. Get that line back together. All right. Uh, we flip to the opposite side of the ball, man. We flip to that defense. Let me tell you something good, bro. Stop the snag. Remento talk. Stop all that. Stop all that. Crooklyn in the house. All right. Crooklyn in the house. We won we the three. We got our three. Uh, we felt like it was going to be very, very key for us to keep constant pressure on McCoy. Not to let him get comfortable back there in the pocket, man. And uh, to make sure we just... Stay close to those receivers, man. Stay close. If we can just stick with them for about two or three seconds, man, then it's going to be all right. And a lot of those picks that he threw were just uncomfortable, having to force a play, having to, having to be what he's always had to be, man, having to be super, uh, well, I don't want to call him Superman, but hey, it is what it is. Him having to go out there and lead this team, be a one-man show, really. And uh, we just wanted to do our best to contain him, man, Uh I think we also did a great job uh, in the run game. Uh, big shout-out to Trisha Van Rie, again, for getting good pressure, uh, forcing a fumble. I wish we could have recovered it, man, getting that key sack. Like, uh, he was a very, very uh, – he was a standout player on the defense uh, in my eye in that game. Uh, big shout-out to uh, Damari Sparks, man. I don't even really re know if CG had any catches or not, man. I, I don't remember. Uh, I saw him try. I saw him uh, trying to get Guyton open on Dada. Shout out to Dada. He's slowly showing. You don't want to throw over there either, man. You don't want to throw over there either. And uh, big shout out to the vet TC because he was not just going to let King and uh, Heyday get all the hype, man. He wasn't going to let them get all the hype. He was able to bring in two picks, man. Uh, looking like last year, man. He still got. He still got a little bit left in the tank, man. And. Uh, Things are just coming together at a good time, man. Things are just coming together at a good time, man. I hope we can keep things pushing, keep things rolling. We don't want to lose another game into next preseason, man. To keep it 100 with you, we don't want to lose another game into next preseason. That's our goal. That's our mindset every week, man. Every week, every game is a must win. From here to the end of the season, man. All right? Because once we lose, our season is over. So if we want to keep playing, we got to keep winning, man. We got to keep winning. All right? Now, this is going to be the last time. Actually, no, I'm going to celebrate one more time. I'm going to celebrate one more time next year. Next year, when we after we win our ninth game, I'm going to celebrate one more time because the Bears were 8-8. Eight and eight. Three years in a row. So we're going to celebrate not going eight and eight three years in a row. But let me tell you something now. Now it's an expectation. All right. The first year, it was just hope. It was just like, oh, I hope we can do it. Nobody believed. This year, I said, like, hey, we're going to, we're better than eight and eight, bro. Like, we're better than eight and eight. Like, what is an eight and eight? And now next year, double digit wins in the playoffs is an expectation for us, bro. Like, it's an expectation. We're not just going to keep being the,
that they're a sneaky team or they're a surprise team. No, not from that. Now we're establishing ourselves as a powerhouse team. Like, you don't want to play with us, bro. You don't want to play with us. And these next three games, man, if we win these games, should do exactly that with the opponents that we face, man. With the opponents that we face, these next three games should do exactly that. All right? So, we shall see. We shall see. But, Animal A&A, Animal A&A. All right? Now, as we slide into uh, the preview for our next game, man, uh, <clears throat> kind of popped up on this kind of quick. I wasn't expecting our game this Saturday, but we got flexed into the primetime slot uh, Thursday night. So, uh, big hype, but then I turned into big game planning. So, we've been in the books. We've been in the film, man. And uh, we've been scouting these uh, Monarchs. Uh, we will uh, be facing the London Monarchs uh, Thursday night, 8 p.m. Uh, should be commentated by Mick. So, uh I hope to see everyone there. It's a big, big, big game. Definitely playoff implications. Two teams at the top of their division that nobody expected to be at the top of their division. And really battling for tops of the conference. So, interesting, interesting, interesting game. Uh, must win for both teams. Well, I'm not going to say for both teams. It's a must win for us. I don't know what they got going on over there. But I know we got to win this game if we want to make the playoffs, man. So, uh, this is definitely going to be a big test uh, for our defense. Uh, I definitely remember saying that there's not too many teams that I feel like all three of their receivers, man, we can't just man them all up, and it is what it is. The Monarchs receiving core, man, is a, is a whole nother beast, man. It's a whole nother beast, and they're fully staffed now. They're back in full strength. Uh, we shall see how that goes. We, we're going to be doing a little bit of investigating, a little bit of snooping, see who we want to put where, how we want to approach it. Uh, man, it's going to be entertaining, man. It's definitely going to be a fight. It will not be an easy, easy win, especially when you think about, uh, roads, man, and, the season that he's had this year, man, he's had a phenomenal, phenomenal season, man. Uh, I remember when he first came in and he was getting the hype. I was just kind of like, I don't know, man. I don't see what everybody else sees, man. But since then, since his rookie campaign to now, man, he's definitely shut me up, man. He's done what he had to do. And, uh, we want to put a little respect on his name, man. He's definitely somebody that we know that uh, we have to watch. Uh I want to say he's one of the top three rushers in the in the conference right now. Uh, we're trying to catch him, trying to help uh, Kenny bounce back, man. We're trying to get Kenny to a thousand. Uh, the way he played last week, this could be the game that we do it. Uh, we shall see. We shall we shall see. But uh, the biggest thing that we want to do, as far as facing that offense, is try to limit this guy Preston because. Uh, He's leading the MVP running, man. But, oh, these, just these last couple games, man, Brinker should be sticking his way back up. And I think this would just be a perfect time if we could come in here and play our game, get a couple picks on him, man. Uh, we can bring him down a little bit, shoot Brinker up a little bit, because I said at the beginning of the season, I thought Brinker was going to be a top five uh, QB. I thought Brinker was going to get the MVP, man. I said it. Brinker for MVP. And uh, there's a shot, man. We got a chance. 
we definitely got a chance. We're coming down to uh, the crunch time. This is where MVPs are made, man. This, this is when you see, uh, this is when you learn the difference between the men and the boys right here, man. We're trying to prove that uh, Brinker is one of the men. All right, so that's definitely going to be a key, key matchup. And we're battling for that superstar. Definitely battling for that uh, superstar, Dev. I see you out there with the star, uh, Dev Preston. We see you. We see you, but uh, we got to get, uh, we definitely got to get some uh, abilities for my man's Brink out here, man. We definitely got to get, we got to get him the clutch trait. That's the goal. We got to get my man's Brinker the clutch trait. That Brinker magic, we got to make it a real deal, man. We got to solidify that. We got to solidify that. All right? Uh, then when you uh, look at the other side of the ball, man, uh, shout out to that boy, Mitchie. Uh, he loves their corners, man. He loves Tom Wood. I keep telling him my color's better, but he won't listen. He won't listen. He got his little man crush. It is what it is, man. Uh... Two great cornerbacks, man. Uh, nice secondary. Nice secondary all around, man. Uh, there's a lot of guys on this uh, Monarchs team, man, that if you never really watched the Monarchs, you wouldn't really pay them any mind. But there's some guys over here that we know that we kind of have to, to key in and key in on, man. Uh, I remember watching the Monarchs when uh, I first got to the league. They were in the division with uh, the Shamrocks. I think it was the Shamrocks, the Thunderbirds. The Monarchs and uh, I want to say the Diablos, man, and uh, definitely in playing them twice a uh, twice a year, man. There are definitely some things that uh, things that you'll see, players that you gotta learn to respect, man. And uh, I'm just gonna say we'll see, man. That defense has not been too shabby at all. Uh, definitely, I guess we can see a group of overachievers right now, man. Uh, if you just going by what you'll see on paper, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, man. I, I'm a big fan of, or a big believer in overall, it's everything, man. But they're definitely playing above what most uh, expected them to play. So uh, it shall be an interesting matchup, man. It shall be an interesting matchup. All right. Uh, and then one just one little rival, one just small rivalry, punter versus punter, man. Uh, Orton versus uh, Morse. Orton, the former Baron, uh, we actually traded him to the Monarchs once we uh, discovered Morse. All right, so it's another little, just another little anything you can, <clears throat> anything you can just add to fuel your fire to make you want to uh, come out harder, man, and get that win. Uh, we're gonna do it, man, and you got to be good in all facets of the game, man. You got to win all three phases, so. <sighs> we'll see how it goes, man. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I know for this week, my, my part's a little shorter than what it usually is, man, but it's just crunch time right now, man. About to get back to the books. About to get back to the books, get back in this film room, man, and uh, get back studying on these Monarchs because I'm running out of time for to do my training and everything, man. I need to get it down today, honestly. So I'm about to hop on that. Uh, but as always, man, uh, protect the crown, all right, earn your stripes, all right, Gorilla Gang, yes sir, Gorilla Gang, Bomb Squad, go Barons. <laughs>